we'll really be focusing more on verses 8 through 11, but we're just going to go ahead and read verse 3 and uh, on down through. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in, your, in you patient endurance and the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so you also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that we, he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for your gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak to us. This morning, that we would hear your call of what we need to be doing. And each of us here are at different levels in this, but all of us can take it to the next level. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would empower us to do just that, that we would not just uh, sit and take in and maybe something new, none of that. We would become new. We would change the world around us to be new. As we partner with you. But we think of uh, our team that we sent over there for the Smiths and the Schwabs. And we pray now that your blessing would be upon them in such a way that you would watch over their bodies not only giving them health but giving them safety and protection that you go before them behind them on all sides of them that you would be a shield of faith to surround them that you would enable them in that space to know your hand holds them and to see it see you and move and work as only you can as you would use them there now, but as well as you would uh, use them to be able to see how we can in the future partner and become more a part of what you're doing there in Senegal. Father, thank you. For the blessings that we have received I pray that you would help us not to be comfortable. But to recognize the battle. Oh God, 
surround us, cover over us with your blood, Jesus. Move now as only you can. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last Sunday we sent off the missions team. It was a great time. It was important. And it was important as well uh, that for we, as we talked about, was for us who are here, who are stay behind, so to speak, to recognize that we are in a partnership. In partnership, not only with our missions team, but with the missionaries who are there, those who have the gospel ministry are there. In fact, that's a part of what uh, the T-shirts. Remember the back of some of you wore those T-shirts. Some of you had those, and in two weeks they'll be back. The last Sunday of uh, October, they'll be sharing with us. I encourage you. Uh, you can wear those T-shirts again, kind of out of support and uh, for them. But this whole together partners in the Great Commission. And one of the main ways that we can support and have that support role for not only for them, but for missionaries and for others who are out there is through prayer, which is really what's talked about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. As you look at verse 11, hopefully you'll keep your Bibles there. Occasionally uh, we can turn some other places, but specifically right here, verse 11, he says, as you help us by your prayers. As you help us by your prayers. Hopefully you've been praying for them. Because even the great, powerful, spiritual Apostle Paul is constantly asking for prayer throughout the New Testament. We're going to look at some of those this morning. If the Apostle Paul is asking for prayer and needs prayer, how much greater do our partners over there need for us to pray? And we recognize that, but what kind of prayer? I don't know that we need to necessarily convince anybody here that we should be praying, but what kind of prayer? What kind of prayer that helps them and their need? I mean, surely we pray for God's provision. We pray for God's provision for the team before it went out and for God's provision to meet their needs, to God, for God to bless them. But they have a greater need for prayer than that we we need to have a next level kind of prayer on their behalf because listen to what that need is uh, uh, that as you helped us by your prayers but how did they help them listen to where they were look back in verse 8 there we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardship we suffered in the province of asia we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life itself. When you think about what they're going through, that was no time for God bless them missionaries real good. Right? That's not a time for them to kind of just bless them. When you think about what was just said in verses 8 and 9, that is a call to battle stations. Battle stations with what's going on, with what they're doing, to take up a position, to go to war for them on our knees. God's challenge for us today is to go beyond just praying for the daily bread kind of provision in their lives, but to pray, deliver them from evil protection prayers. Short-term missionaries, lifetime 
missionaries that are over there, full-time Christian staff and workers. None of them were meant to battle it alone. We talked about it last week. I encourage you to check out the, uh, listen to the MP3. What Paul says, the kind of prayer we need, is I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love, the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Again, if Paul can say that, how much more for the Smiths and the Schwabs, more than that, for Eric and Vicki, how much more for so many others? Uh, how many of you can think of someone beyond those that you know that is serving the Lord someplace uh, out of this country? And hopefully more of you can think of those who are missionaries or international workers. And as we go through, we will be having here come in December, uh, we'll have our missions conference. We need to join them in their struggle by praying for them with a battle station kind of prayer. What does that look like? What does that mean to say that? Today we're going to explore two different ways that we can fight beside them from over here. And the first is we must fight from a defensive position in prayer. When you're not on the front lines, you know, and we would say we're not on the front lines, that you're not hearing spiritual bombs bursting in air all around you. You know, what can happen is you, you might think things are going good. I mean, if you're alive, you know, you got a lot of problems in your life and things are going good for the most part and things seem going good around you and the people and things seem to go good, the home church and all that stuff. You just get to that point where you just think, well, this is going good. We'll just sit back, relax. Or maybe not relax. Say, well, you need to kind of do some new things, you know, keep busy. And we become distracted from what really is going on around us. We become so busy with our life and what's going on, we're missing it. We need to wake up from our slumber. The church, the American church, needs to wake up from the slumber and remember that the devil is not sitting back and relaxing. As John 10.10 tells us, Jesus says, the devil is the one who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Especially those on the front lines. The front lines that are attacking his territory. You see, Ephesians 2 says that Satan is the ruler of this present age. Or 1 John 5.19 tells us that the whole world is under his control. In a sense, the devil has got missionary pictures on his oven. You know, some of us have it on our refrigerators, right? How many have like a missionary pictures on your refrigerators? I'm, I'm just guessing there's no refrigerators in hell. I don't know. That's why I say he's got it on his oven, you know? He's got the pictures there. Or better yet, on his dartboard. As Ephesians 6 tells us, as he throws his fiery darts. Which is why we need to pray. To pray a battle stations kind of prayer. Yes, we are all at war, so to speak, as Ephesians 6.12 tells us that. All who are believers, we're all at war. But those who are on the front lines are particularly targeted by the enemy and need support troops. I know sometimes we talk about this and we talk about prayer and some people just feel like, ah, yeah, I should do that, that's good, but... We don't see it as really that important. We don't see our role. Maybe our role can have some other importance or something else we can do. Uh, you know, okay, I, 
prayer, well, at least I can pray. Okay. And yet, with the battle that is actually going on, it will not be won by programs or preaching or printed materials or movies or anything. The battle that will be going that is going on, what would be good and helpful to it is that which is spiritual, because it is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle between the enemy and Christ. It is a spiritual battle for the soul of that person and those people. And it is that spiritual part of them that is not going to be changed and reached by just man kind of things that we do that we all get concerned about and what seems like the most I can do when we start to realize that prayer is not the least we can do. That the battle station prayer is actually the most that we can do because that is where the battle is won on our knees. It means we got to go to battle stations, partnering in prayer, keeping in mind that those who are missionaries and others, they're just ordinary people. Just like us, there's no super saints. Same thoughts, same feelings, same struggles, same burdens, same trials, same temptations. Sometimes it may even be a little stronger. Because the spiritual heat gets a little hotter when you're out there in isolation, when you're out there alone in a strange place, when it not, you need more than just prayers of provision. You need prayers of protection. You need to go on the defensive. Prayer that they would be prepared That's in spiritual armor for the attacks that are going to come. Paul talks about so many things that happened to him in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, 28, just keeps happening, that natural disasters, dangers, dangers from people, and those that were are um, supernatural. Because that's what, as we go back to our passage of Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, we read 8 and 9, and then he says in verse 10, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. Why? Now, obviously, trust should be in Jesus, that He will deliver us. Uh, we, we have put our hope in Jesus. We put our hope in God to deliver, yes, but the sentence doesn't end there. It says, and on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Our hope in Him is solid. It is Jesus that delivers, but it only happens because we have grabbed a hold of a battle station kind of prayer that fights for them on our knees. Here is a call to battle stations by a, uh, a veteran warrior in the front lines. Let me just uh, read an account. In 1947, while I was traveling, and this is from uh, J. Oswald Sanders. Some of you have heard him. He was a general director of uh, OMF, Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Became, uh, it used to be China Inland Missions and things like that. But in 1947, while I was traveling on horseback in central China with Mr. Fred Mitchell, we came to a spot that was notorious as a robber hideout. The missionary accompanying us was keeping a sharp lookout. Suddenly, we came upon a body lying beside the path. The victim was obviously not long dead. The brigands had been at work. A few days later, 
I received a letter from my wife asking whether we had been in any danger on the date and a time she named. On that particular night, she had been suddenly awakened with the strong impression that I was in danger. She rose and prayed until the burden lifted and peace returned. On consulting my diary, I discovered that this midnight prayer synchronized with the time we were passing through the robber-infested area. God heard and answered the prayer for safety of his servants. She took up that call. We're here on the home front, have a responsibility to join them in battle there, just like his wife. Two, as verse 11 here says, to help them by our prayers, but a help that is real, a help that it is not just a extra added blessing help. There's so many different biblical examples and types of prayer for God's protection and these kind of things, like Second Thessalonians chapter three, verses two and three here, and pray, and pray that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Let's pray for that shield of faith to wrap around and protect them from all directions. We need to go to war. We need to go to war for those that would do them harm, not only because this world can be a dangerous place in general, but for Christians in many of the places it's dangerous, and more than that, for Christian workers, especially when we think about our workers in the Christian and Missionary Alliance as we are going to places that are darker than ever, places that the government and the majority religion are hostile to Christianity. They face greater opposition on the front lines. That doesn't mean that Satan doesn't try terrorist attacks on us here. But we need to pray that they would be able to see the battle. That they would be able to see the struggles and the things they're going through is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the dark forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Pray not only that they would see that battle for what it really is but they would see the whole battle that's taking place just like in second kings chapter 6 verses 13 to 17 where he prayed that the eyes elijah prayed that the eyes of his servant would be open and he could see the, on the, the whole hillside filled with horses and chariots of fire all around them that those who are with us are more than those who are with them to pray for them in that way we need to pray that they would realize that while the battle is fierce at times, that in time there is victory. As Revelation 12 tells us, we have overcome him, overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. These attacks come physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, every way with little waves and sometimes big tsunamis. The enemy can hit physically uh, and emotionally and needing the battle station kind of prayers. Like Dennis Whalen, some of you may have heard of him from the past in the Christian Mission Alliance. He talks about, he says this, he says, I woke up the next morning as he was over uh, there. He says, I woke up the next morning with photobia. Yeah, phototobia. Maybe you've never heard of that. It's a condition in which the presence of light causes intense pain. Patty, I'm assuming his wife, Patty packed me up 
and off we went to the doctor. He immediately suspected meningitis and admitted me to the hospital. The doctors gave me codeine and Tylenol for the headaches. I had a spinal tap that proved negative for meningitis. I actually began to feel better. The following morning, things looked good. The doctor was talking about releasing me the next day. Unfortunately, the next morning, I awoke with 105 degree temperature and I was covered from my head to my waist in blisters. I was moved to intensive care so that I could be monitored closely, but the doctors were not holding out much hope. Three different specialists and three opinions. The medical team decided that I had encephalitis along with Steven Johnson syndrome, an abnormal reaction to medication they'd given me. One doctor told Patty to gather the family because I had only two hours to live. Another said if I did live, I would be blind. And yet another said I would have brain damage. The good news is that I got sick in September. Back then, most of the CMA, the Christian Missionary Alliance, district conferences were held over a two or three week period. That's usually when ours is. And so the word began to get out that this young missionary candidate who was in the hospital near death and Christians from all over the country called Patty to say they were fasting and praying. In fact, my own father-in-law asked the Lord to take him instead of me. Leaders within the alliance came to my bedside to pray for me. And although I was too sick to remember them even being there, but God was doing something through his people. I was improving, and after one week in intensive care, the best week of rest I ever had, he says. The doctor moved me to a private room. And when he came to release me from the hospital, my doctor said, there is no medical reason for me to be alive. But we know there was a reason for him to be alive. Because people pray prayers like this. These were very battle station kind of prayers on his behalf. Pray. You know, many times we'll get knocked back, even knocked down. But that happens all the more for some who are out on the front lines because of fatigue, because of a never-ending world-saving schedule, because always giving and never getting and never taking time even to get from the Lord sometimes and, and not to be filled, instead just being poured out and succumb and succumb to this always on call, on guard, on display, on your best behavior, on ministry with no off button. It only leads to attacks both from the inside and from the outside, from pressure, from worry, discouragement, so so caught up, sometimes not even realizing the trouble and trouble that just keeps happening. You're just caught up in this trouble and all the things are happening, not realizing, wait a minute, this is not flesh and blood. This is not natural. This is not normal. What is happening is a supernatural attack. And somebody needs to get on their knees and fight back. Defeat the enemy before the people that we know are defeated. He says in verse 8 in 2 Corinthians here, chapter 1, he says, We were under great pressure. 
far beyond our ability to endure that we despaired of life itself. The Apostle Paul felt that way. If he can feel that way, don't you think some of those can feel that way? Even with Eric and Vicki and others. We need to go to war. Not only for them, but for those that they feel responsible for. To pray. That God would move, not just for them, but for their family. Their family with them there, their family back home. Their brothers and sisters in Christ. I think all of us could probably share, and I know I have some, I had to do it this morning, some battle station kind of times in the middle of the night, like the, the first story, where you were awoken and somebody was brought to your mind. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we are just uh, worried and obsessed about people in our lives and we haven't given it to the Lord. And sometimes we are not really awoken. We just never really slept because we never gave it to the Lord. But there's other times where we are woken to pray and something's going on. In fact, even somebody that you don't normally think about, somebody that doesn't really come to your mind and suddenly you're thinking to go to battle right then and there. I just put it off and then even to just check, just check with them to see that taking this battle stations kind of prayer uh, may seem like a little thing, but in the end it makes a big difference. Even as we take up defensive positions in prayer on their behalf, but that's not the only kind of battle station prayer we need to have. The other one is that we must fight from an offensive position in prayer. You can't just stay on the defense and win. We've got to go on the attack. I mentioned this recently to a number of young people uh, speaking to you. You say, all right, I got the armor of God on. And think, okay, I'm good. I'm protected. I'm safe. And when you have the armor of God on, there's a sense that you're safe. Except there's also a sense the enemy's safe. He's safe too. Because all you got is the armor on. You're just defending yourself, just protecting yourself. And we forget that we've been given a sword of the Spirit as an offensive weapon. To take up the sword of the Spirit. To fight the battle. To swing away. To press forward. To break down the gates of hell. To kick open the doors. To pull down the strongholds. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And set the captives free. Samuel Chadwick long ago states... The one concern of the devil is to keep saints from prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Let us break through. To see the Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 kind of prayer, kind of thing happen, fulfilling in people's lives where they are rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son. You want to see that? You want to see people uh, rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son? And we say, yes, we want to see that. Well, it's not going to happen if we don't pray. We've got to recognize 
this means war. Battle stations. To go to war for places and people that are under power of the evil one for hundreds, for thousands of years. To go on the offensive. It does make a difference. Some of you may have heard of Robert Jaffrey. Long ago, Alliance Missions, Let My People Go, Tozer writes about him. One year while Robert Jaffrey and Reverend, Gus, uh, or Reverend Gustav Werner were traveling in Borneo, visiting newly opened stations, they came to a place called Colossi, which was, up to that time, had been marked by a strange unresponsiveness to the gospel. In the middle of the night, as they were there, Mr. Werner was suddenly awakened by the sounds of a commotion in the room where Jaffrey slept. He rushed into the room and found Jaffrey struggling and groaning in agony. All his motions were those of a man wrestling with someone trying to choke him to death, an invisible antagonist who seemed about to kill him. This continued for a short time and then suddenly ceased. Immediately, Jaffrey came to consciousness weak and badly shaken. Mr. Werner prayed with him and ministered to him as he was able, and Mr. Jaffrey's strength returned slowly. By morning, he was feeling well again. The struggle of the night before, he never doubted as a personal engagement with the devil himself. He stated boldly that he had met in prayer, that he had met in prayer and conquered the prince, and that's a quote, in quotes, the prince who had been responsible for the strange bondage of the natives in and around Colossi. By a quick accommodation of scripture to his needs, he saw in this prince, the old Pharaoh, who was holding people in bondage, and he sternly commanded him, let my people go. Were we to stop here, the whole thing might be just smiled off intolerantly as a pardonable weakness, intentionally religious man. And nothing more, but there's something significant that is a sequel to this. Almost at once, the whole situation changed within that previously barren circle. The indifference of the people melted like ice before the summer sun. And the work of conversion that was sweeping across Borneo broke out at Colossi. And the men of the district began to turn to Christ in large numbers. Nothing was different. No different way of preaching. No different way of methods. No different way of men. But battle stations. Truly. Going on the offensive. Is what was different. We cannot just pray on the defensive. For those in these areas that are closed, resistant, even hostile to the good news of Jesus, we need to go on the offense to break down the barriers, the entrapments from false religions and counterfeits to philosophies, to atheistic thinkings, to certain governmental ideologies that set themselves up against the glory of God. Let us go on the offensive against the walls that have blocked not only the gospel, but have locked in people into fear. That every obstacle would be removed. Every mountain be made low. That the gospel may spread even quicker. May we pray 
pray. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. Pray. Pray the doors would open. Areas that formerly closed. Hearts that are formerly closed would be that were hardened, that would be softened, that things would be open. Pray. Pray not only that, Colossians gives us another example in chapter 4 here. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us to the God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray. Pray for that opening. That open door. May we be led by the Holy Spirit to battle stations. To those places and people that are ready. That are ready for the battle to be won and to move forward. That the gospel may be proclaimed clearly. As Paul says in Colossians 4. Clearly through the language barriers, through the cultural barriers, through the spiritual barriers. When we go on the offensive though. And here's the thing. We got to be real about this. When we go on the offensive, we need to understand there will be opposition. The enemy will not go quietly. Let us not be ignorant of this. The greater the ground, the greater the battle will be. We need to be prepared to have some fierce fighting. And and it may get worse before it gets better, but ultimately that is good news because that means apparently we're hitting home or we wouldn't be getting shot back at by the enemy. Just remember this. As 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As partners together in the gospel, as they face opposition, as the battle strikes back, may it be like the early disciples in, in their prayer. In Acts chapter 4, it's kind of amazing when you think about them. They were beaten, they were uh, taken away and taken out of and told not to to talk about Jesus, not to do all this stuff. And, And when they get together to pray, when they get together to pray, in verse 24... After they heard the whole news of what had happened and to, to, to Peter and John, what the authorities and the chief priests and the others had done to them and said to them, when they heard this, it says in verse 24 in Acts 4, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, now, Lord, consider their threats. And I want you to listen to this. As they prayed, they didn't pray any wimpy. They didn't pray defensive prayer. Lord, keep us safe. Uh, they're out to get us. In verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant jesus and after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly that 
is a battle station prayer. May we go to war. To pray, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. And pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. When you get our radar up, radar up, realize even now that there are those that we need to go to war for. You know, um, A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Mission Alliance, long ago, had desired to become a missionary, and although God called Simpson to send missionaries instead, he became legendary for his passion to pray for missions. Known for hugging a globe while he prayed, Simpson would often weep for hours over the lostness of so many around the world who had never heard the good news. Simpson said, There is no missionary force more prevailing than prayer. The great art of prayer in all fullness of its power has been learned only by a few. God has his priests and priestesses who stand with holy hands at the footstool of the throne, sharing in intercession with the great high priest. And someday it will be found that these are the greatest missionaries of all. It's a part of our our, our number two core value that Prayer is the primary work of God's people. So have you ever told someone that you would pray for them? Did you? I mean, that's, that's the first question we ask ourselves. We say we do, and do we? We say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I remembered as I saw them coming towards me. Um, or, or maybe we did. You know, yeah, I put a prayer for them. But what kind of prayer? That person that actually needed that prayer, obviously there was something going on. Did you do more than just a God bless them kind of prayer? Did you go to battle stations for them? Not just let them know, hey, I'm praying for you. Let them know, hey, I am battling with you in this, fighting alongside of you. I believe it used to be. In the alliance and churches in general years ago, a whole lot more than it is today. There were many more years ago who wanted to be wanted earnestly to be a part of the army of God. And yet today, more just want to be content with being in the audience of God. We look and we wonder, you know, I remember when all kinds of things, there was more healings. I remember when this was happening. I remember more people coming to know the Lord. I remember there was all kinds of great stuff. Well, if we really think back to remember, we would remember that was a time where there were people who were praying battle station kind of prayers. It wasn't about, hey, we had better people back then. We had better servants back then. It wasn't about, we had better methods. It wasn't about any of that. All we had was prayer, real prayer. Army that realizes it's not just prayer that takes place with our selves being in our own individual foxholes, but an army that gathered together to pray. 
You know, when we get together in our small groups, when we get together in our opportunities that are happening here and there, uh, including there's Wednesday night, there's a group that meets for prayer. There's Sunday morning. There's those opportunities. There's coming up on the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church we'll be talking about in a few weeks. As, as well, on the October 24th, that Wednesday, you see that prayer and praise and prayer event that the Christian Mission Alliance, the president of the alliance, will be leading. That'll be a uh, simulcast uh, a video uh, live right here on that night at 7 p.m. There's all kinds of opportunities. There's an opportunity to come. And you know what happened was years ago, and I've been pastor long enough to know years ago, we would say something like that, and there would be a number of people that come. Now I recognize some of the people come because they felt guilty that every time the church's doors were open that they had to be there, otherwise they didn't get their ticket punched, I guess. I don't know. But you know what? There were many of them who wanted to be there. And say, we're going to, pray, you know, we're going to get together and we're going to pray. But nowadays you say that and it's kind of like, who, you know, like it's coming and you're going to be a part of a bunch of people who have smallpox or something. I don't want to be in that. But if you have somebody here that, boy, I, I would really like to hear that person or, or, you know, maybe not just speak, but I'd like to hear they're going to do something musical or going to have something like that. Oh, we want to do that. We want to come to, to hear that. Or maybe it's just somebody to support. We come because I, I want to support them. Something that, that will be good. Something that will be fun. And maybe it doesn't just have to be fun. Maybe it will be something, somebody that will come and they're going to be teaching uh, something that is really interesting. Something that we really want to know more about. Something new we never heard of before. Something that somebody will teach something and, and get into the deep, the, one of the most misused evangelical churchianity words period but that's a whole nother sermon you get something deep then i want to come and hear that but we had to come and pray there's a sense that we've already got most of us not all of us but many of us have already got more information in our heads about god than we will ever apply and in the end the fire will be stoked up and the pile of stuff that we've learned will go versus what are we doing about it we got to get past the churchianity and get that it is not about what we want it is not about what we like it is not about what is fun this is war it is time for battle stations to drive out the darkness as we drive ourselves down on our knees and pray. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11 will come. And many will give thanks for the prayers of many. Many will give thanks for the prayers of you. What you do? You might feel like, I don't have talents. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do... Uh, you can pray. And hopefully by listening to this today, you recognize by saying you can pray. It's not saying, well, at least you can pray. No, at most. What's most important? Because that's where the battle is. Father, I pray that you'd help us in this. Holy Spirit, that you would speak and move in our hearts 
to not just be stirred this morning and somehow walk out of here and lose that. But just make that decision. That there are those who need our prayer to go to the next level. To go on the defensive and go on the offensive. Help us to follow through with that. For as long as we just keep doing these wimpy prayers, if prayer at all, we will get the wimpy life that we have. Oh, there's so much you want to do. Not only for those who are overseas, not only for those in our missions team that we need to be praying for, but for this work right here that you want to do. Jesus, help us. Holy Spirit, move. Even right now, right where you're at, begin to apply this. Let's just take a few minutes. We'll take like five minutes or so. And just to pray. I know many of us could say a quick prayer in about one or two minutes, but just take a, we're going to take a little more than one or two minutes. What is God speaking about? Who is it that you should be praying for? Who is it you should be doing battle for? Let's begin applying it right now, right here.